Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, Alone with Jesus. Our text is from the Gospel of Mark, the fourth chapter, the 26th through the 34th verses. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, the man puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parables shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Jesus is teaching by the lake. The crowd has gotten so large around him that he gets into a boat while all the other people are along the shore. He's talking to fishermen, farmers, people who live off the land, and he begins to talk about the kingdom. There is much conversation about this kingdom that Jesus brings. So he starts this parable about seed. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Now, Jesus could have used some stupendous exalted example, streets paved with gold or royalty in fine robes or trumpets blaring, but instead he he uses something tiny and, and seemingly insignificant to make his point. Well, it is tiny, but it has tremendous potential. Back to the parable. Night and day, whether the man sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though the man does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. There is a mystery in what Jesus is teaching here, because there's a mystery in the process of nature. The growth of a seed is slow but certain. Now, some people who are listening may think he's only talking about gardening or owning a farm. Others are thinking more deeply. They're thinking about something taking root in their hearts. There's a growth that has to take place for this kingdom to come. And there is some mystery in this growth. They plant seeds, and while they have no idea why or how they grow, they know they grow. Then Jesus starts talking about this mustard seed. Mustard bushes grow wild in Israel. They take over an area in no time like weeds. By Jewish law, you weren't supposed to plant mustard seeds because they could choke your garden. The text says Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. You see, he knew that while some folks would get it immediately, others would not. Some folks would think he was actually talking about a mustard seed. Others would know he was talking about something grander, something divine. So that's how Jesus went about 
the countryside, teaching in parables. But he wanted his disciples to understand so much more. So the text tells us when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. When he was alone with them. Jesus knew he had to get his most important students away from the crowd for them to really understand what he was talking about. Like any good teacher, he utilized one-on-one time. He got his students alone. Jesus knows the value of solitude. Some social theorists would argue that solitude is not beneficial because it goes against our capacity as social beings. They they would argue that withdrawing from social engagement is irresponsible and actually self-indulgent. We don't need to do anything to alienate ourselves from others, but Jesus knew when he was teaching his disciples that they would need solitude, that they would need that one-on-one time with him to really understand what he was teaching. Now, some people confuse solitude with isolation. Isolation is not a good thing. When, when we grow older, the biggest concern is that we become too isolated from each other. But that's not what Jesus is talking about in this text. You see, if you take this in context, Jesus was always drawing big crowds when he was teaching and when he was preaching and when he was doing his ministry. And often he had to get away by himself to be with his father, to make sure he was clear what his father said, what his father wanted. That was the most important thing to Jesus. So he sought his own solitude. If you go through the Bible, you'll see many, many examples of how Jesus sought solitude. Remember, God led him into the desert before he was tempted by Satan. He had to be alone to prepare for what was ahead. He was alone after he learned that he lost his best friend. Matthew 14, 12 to 13, when Jesus heard that John had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus taught some of his most meaningful lessons one-on-one. He sought solitude when he faced big decisions. You see, the reason Jesus was able to accomplish so much in his short time on earth was because Jesus knew then, as he teaches us now, there is value in solitude. We should seek solitude sometimes just to be with Jesus. Back when Jesus had his earthly ministry, people spent their days working in the fields or in the home where the only other sounds were those of nature, of human voices. They didn't have the electronic media that we have now. Oh my goodness, they didn't have the iPhone and the iMessages and all the paraphernalia that we have to have to make it today. Without all of those distractions, they perhaps were closer to really hearing God. I am so thankful you've joined us today. Remember, Love Rules is totally listener-supported. Won't you make a donation right now to keep this program on the air? Log on to RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org and click on Giving. That's RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org. Click on Giving. Thank you. God bless you. One of the costs of technological advancement is a greater temptation to avoid solitude and quietness. While we broaden our intake of information, we may be prone to forget about that still small voice 
of God. The greatest works in literature and science, I'm told, were accomplished by people who sought solitude. You absolutely cannot grow in God without taking time to think about God. And that might be something you want to do on your own, alone. Contemplation, centering your thoughts on God. Remember when Paul said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, think about such things. It might be that you can't think about those things because you haven't taken the time to be alone with your thoughts. I'm an advocate of solitude, not all the time, but sometime. Philip Yancey, in his powerful book on prayer, tells the story of a retired Air Force lieutenant who was a cycling enthusiast, and this guy rode every day, logged up hundreds of miles each week, until one day he had an accident that actually damaged his spinal cord, and his entire life changed. He couldn't work. He couldn't even control his bladder. He experienced muscle spasms and infections. He found himself alone more and more, even after he had healed to the certain extent. And he was angry with God. He was angry that his circumstances had changed so dramatically. Eventually, he picked up his Bible again, and he started reading the Psalms. And he was drawn to one particular lament. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I cry out night and day. Only in going over and over these texts, in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his agony, did this man begin to sense God's presence. And it was as if God was saying, I know you're mad, but you need to know I'm here and I'm still God. What that man did through reading the text was to create a space in which God made his presence known, even in the midst of pain. Sometimes we need to get alone with God. And when he gets us alone through suffering or heartbreak or disappointment, when he gets us absolutely alone, then he begins to teach us more about who he is. Now, he may not reveal why we're suffering. He may not give us specific answers, but he will reveal his presence. Sometimes you need to get alone with God. How often do you really take advantage of of just going into a space that it's just quiet and you can be completely alone with God? You know, the Bible says don't pray like the hypocrites who love to stand on the street corners to be seen by others. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Now, of course, there's a place for public prayer. You can never pray too much. But but here's what I'm saying. Sometimes you need to get alone with God to pray. As we go through this spiritual journey with God, we begin to understand there are vast areas of stubbornness and ignorance that the Holy Spirit can only reveal to us when we are alone with Jesus. Because we can become so invested in our plans and our own ideas and our own egos and that voice that's always going inside our head that we won't know we're not taking alone time with God. God gets us alone so that we can grow. God gets us alone so that we can really hear. You need to get alone with Jesus every once in a while. There are many opportunities during your day to seek 
solitude with Jesus. Now, this is going to sound a little silly, but think about it. Even when you're at the traffic light or in an elevator or or in line at the grocery store, you can take just a few seconds to be intentional about your time with Jesus. So you can be alone in the midst of the crowd. It's just a matter of focusing on Jesus. Seeking solitude. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, just the two of us, Jesus and me, none other has ever known. Seize those unexpected opportunities in your day to be alone with Jesus. Be blessed. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. And remember, our summer Sunday worship schedule, which is in effect right now, is at 10 o'clock. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116.